This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from One Trust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the One Trust team for their support. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security again HackerOne.com slash AI-safety-security. I am pumped to keep our series of growth interviews rolling with a name you've already heard Andrew Chen mention in this series, and that's Casey Winters. Casey was the first marketing hire at Grubhub when it had just 15 employees. He helped Grubhub expand from three to over 500 markets worldwide. Casey then moved on to Pinterest, where he was a product lead, focusing especially on growth. And now, Casey is an advisor to startups on growth, including fast-growing companies like Airbnb, Pocket, and others. Casey shares a ton in this interview, so I think we should dive right in. Welcome to Rocketship.fm, the podcast where we explore startups from funding to growth, from culture to sales, and everything in between. I'm Michael Saka. Enjoy the holiday, and we'll talk soon. 
All right, Casey, thanks so much for, for joining us. I know it was actually Andrew Chen that had mentioned you in one of our previous interviews, and I thought it would be awesome to, to bring you on the show and just talk a little bit about growth too. Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, you know, I know Andrew had referenced you, but we didn't get to really talk a whole lot about you. You have a super interesting background. And actually, one thing in common with me, you spent a lot of time here in the Midwest. I know you're in the Bay Area now, but maybe you could just walk us through a little bit about your background and um, as, especially as it relates to, you know, your path and growth. Sure. Yeah. So I've been working on growing online businesses for over a decade now. I cut my teeth in an online classifieds space, uh, this company called Classified Ventures, which was a, a joint venture of all the newspaper companies to bring their classifieds businesses online. So they, they run brands such as cars.com and apartments.com, and that was in Chicago. I started as a marketing analyst, and that really helped me learn what online businesses used to grow and how that was very different from what I learned about in school about marketing. So... Once I understood like how to measure those tactics, it just made sense for me to start working on them directly. So, you know, at, at apartments, I started working on things like paid search, SEO, email marketing, affiliate marketing, et cetera. And then it was a really interesting time inside of Classified Ventures in that they were starting up a bunch of new businesses inside the company. And I eventually joined a real estate vertical play there called homefinder.com. And I joined pre-launch and basically launched all their online marketing and analytics. Uh, the problem with that was about a year in, it was 2008, and it became clear that that was not going to be a very great time for real estate. So uh, around that time, Grubhub had just raised their Series A, and they were looking for someone to basically start their marketing department. So I, I jumped over there, and I started as the 15th employee and built out all the acquisition and retention marketing as well as a lot of the product stuff. is They didn't have a product team for the first four years I was there. Oh, wow. Um, I, I stayed there for five and a half years, and I left shortly before um, the Grubhub IPO and joined Pinterest. I originally started on the marketing team, but quickly switched to product, as that's where I could have the most impact on the things that I knew how to do. So I started PMing things like SEO, then I took over email and notifications, and, and later on conversion optimization. And at that point, Pinterest was like, well, that's all of our major growth channels, so we're just gonna make you the leader of this growth team. Uh, and, and so I did that. I stayed at Pinterest for three years, and now I'm uh, just doing some independent advising of startups on growth and taking some time off. Got it, that's awesome. And now it's interesting because I know, well, it's like, I remember when I was studying marketing in college, I don't even know that growth was really a thing. So, I mean, back for you, was it the same? Or, you know, when you were thinking about growth, even just kind of coming up in school, was was growth even being talked about? Or is it really something that kind of evolved, you know, once you found yourself in that role at, at Grubhub? Yeah. So, so not only was growth not a thing that was talked about in school, but basically anything related to online marketing was not, right. you know, really taught about in, until, you know, probably... 10, 10 years later. So, you know, that that first role at apartments.com was an introduction to this entirely new world than, you know, what I had been taught. And uh, it made a lot more sense than what I had been taught. Uh, so, you know, at, and then online marketing, basically, as, as it matured, it started to blend more into product and engineering and becoming, you know, this, this kind of new realm called growth. 
So we didn't really call what we were doing at uh, Grubhub Growth. We still called it marketing, but it it much more resembled what you know current growth teams look like than what a traditional marketing team looks like. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I guess take us back to that time. I mean, when you joined, you said I think it was employee 15, the first real you know, marketing hire, you know, growth person. How did the team look from a growth standpoint? I mean, were they at the point where they were starting to scale already? Or was it really, hey, they've proven product market fit, but, you know, that's your job now. You know, your job is to come and figure out how to, how to really scale things at that point. What was it like? Yeah. So Grubhub was in three cities when I joined. So it had started in Chicago and it had expanded into San Francisco and Boston. And Chicago and SF were, were doing well. They were growing, but the company was only doing like one order a day in Boston. The launch had not really gone well. It was around 30,000 users when I joined, um, you know, who had ever created an account at Grubhub. Okay. Yeah. And they, and they had just raised a 1 million Series A six months, six months earlier. So they had some money to start thinking about, could they do more things to proactively grow the business? And, and that's kind of when I came in. There was... Uh, you know, just a couple engineers, a couple salespeople, a designer, uh, some customer service people, and that was basically it. And so when you're coming into a situation like that, I mean, I'm just even curious, how do you even approach it? I mean, especially since this is a time where, like you mentioned, you know, growth really wasn't a thing. Um, but the types of things that you did, you know, they're, I, it, it sounds like they were more on that analytical, you know, maybe even experimental type side I, walk us through that. I guess when you got that role, what were your priorities? You know, what did you? How did you really approach it? Yeah, well, the mandate was definitely to drive growth of the business. I believe my only job description was that we needed to double our revenue by next month. <laughs> uh, so no, no pressure nothing there. Much on that. Yeah, yeah, no pressure. So I first tried to figure out what things would really help the company grow faster that I knew how to do. And then how I could design tests to prove or disprove that they were worth our time. So I built a plan, you know, presented it to the board, and then just got to work on seeing what of it was going to work. A big part of it, though, was really understanding the data of the business. So you, know, you first have to work on building a report that gives you a full view of what's going on today and what really needs work. At Grubhub, a lot of that data was hidden in our database. So Actually, the first thing I did was learn SQL so that I could start pulling that data myself to really understand what was happening. Got it. Okay. And are there, I mean, aside from that, are there, are there other sort of tools or, you know, platforms? It's probably a lot more today that's available to a growth person than back then. But I guess how, how else did you try to um, sort of measure yourself as you went along? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the... The big things from a tools perspective uh, that people use for growth today, they, they weren't really around back then. So you basically had Google Analytics and then you had whatever data was being stored in your database. And uh, that was basically it. You know, um, you know on, over the long term, we started using tools to you know, help automate our paid search and things like that and an email marketing vendor you know, to do automated email marketing. But back then it was mostly you know, pulling data manually into Excel, manipulating it to try to figure out where there were opportunities, and then seeing what you could do to try to you know, improve those metrics or whatnot. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. Now, back to the show. Got it, got it. And 
you mentioned metrics. Are there, I mean, I suppose there's two different schools of thought. One is, well, there's all sorts of things that we could track, so let's track those things and constantly monitor. And then there's the, you know, people of the, hey, just the one metric that matters kind of mindset. I, where did you fall? Did, did, were you one way or the other? Or were you kind of a mix? Uh, definitely was not a, you know, one metric to rule them all sort of person. We paid a lot of attention to various different metrics. So some of the ones that were in my key dashboard uh, was news or growth by by month and by source. So, you know, were they coming from organic search or from transit ads or whatever? Uh, cost per acquisition was really important for us. We didn't have a lot of money in the bank. We raised, you know, what's now considered a very small Series A in $1 million. Yep. Uh, and our goal was to make that money back in six months. So really being able to look at, okay, how much were you spending for each user by channel? And then how much did the users from that channel make you over the first six months to make sure that that equation was profitable for us? Uh, in terms of retention, um, we really paid a lot of attention to the one-month repeat purchase rate. So if someone placed a second order within 30 days of their first that was a pretty good indicator that they were going to adopt Grubhub as a habit. But we did look at you know general repeat order volume through our cohorts. We looked at net promoter score, and we would segment all of that data by city to really have an understanding you know for each market how we were doing. Yeah, and you know so that's that's interesting to know. And I know when people talk about metrics, especially when they make the determination, hey, no, we know we want to track a few things, uh, but. You know, there's certain metrics that it, it actually matters. You know, if things are trending right, it means the business is doing well. And it seems like you figured out what those were. Was that a natural thing, or did it take you a while to, to really figure out what those core metrics should be, even in the first place? So I think you know, working in a marketplace like Grubhub, it's easier to figure out what those core metrics are than you know something that at the time didn't have a business model when I joined like Pinterest, right? Right. So you know you're trying to drive transactions uh, at, at Grubhub and what you're basically trying to figure out is what's the most efficient way to drive long-term transactions. And that means, you know, getting more orders from the people that have already tried it as well as bringing on new users. So it, it, very quickly it was clear that we had to separate those into, you know, two different sets of metrics. Figuring out, you know, what all of those key metrics were was definitely an evolution over time. You know, I didn't start day one with that level of visibility into <laughs> right. everything. Sure. But, um, you know, definitely kind of like the CPA LTV equation, you know, that's something that, you know, uh, was pretty standard from the beginning and, um, you know, figuring out where your traffic was coming from and, and how that was ultimately converting, you know, that kind of from day one were things that we started with. Got it. Got it. That's great. And I guess even, and I want to talk more about your time at Pinterest because I think that's super interesting. And I know it was a slightly different role, role but still, still growth related. Um, but, you know, in, at, at Grubhub, and I, I'm, I suppose it probably would have changed over the course of time, but what did, what did your day to day even look like? I, I, some people ask, well, gosh, like growth. All right. I, I understand that somebody working in growth, they're doing experiments, they're tracking metrics, but is it the same thing all the time? Uh, you know what? What does day to day look like for a growth person? Maybe you could, you know, give us an idea of hey, when you're the one man show like you were probably at first. To then, 
I mean, it sounds like you built out more of a growth team eventually. So I, I have to imagine it probably changed quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. So in the early days, it, yeah, it was basically just me, you know, at Grubhub. So I would start my day by building that daily report on, you know, revenue and traffic trends by city just to get an understanding of, you know, were there any things going in a different direction than expected that I needed to look into. So uh, Pinterest was very much the same way, except a lot of that stuff was automated because it was, you know, bigger scale, right? So you basically got an email that said, hey, this number's off, go check it out, instead of, you know, having to build all this stuff manually like I was doing at Grubhub. Uh, you know, the Grubhub days, I would then spend, uh, I'd usually spend time in the morning on uh, SEM, looking at keyword and ad optimizations I could be making, and because that was a, a, a primary channel for us. Yeah. And then the the afternoon would uh, depend on the day, so I would usually do a deep dive in a particular area that I was working on. For example, Tuesdays might be scheduling biz dev calls to try to get online ordering links on other restaurant websites. Wednesday might be creating new neighborhood landing pages to ex- based on our expanding restaurant coverage for you know paid search and SEO. Or Thursday, it might be building the weekly email of new restaurants by city that I would send to all of our, our users. Um, the The menu of growth tactics back then was, you know, not not super large, right? So we we're working on paid search and organic search. We're working on improving conversion working on email marketing, transit and outdoor advertising, and then some affiliate marketing and biz dev. And then you know, ended up kind of moving away from affiliate marketing and biz dev because it was just harder to get those deals done when you didn't cover much of the country, which at the time at Grubhub, we, didn't, we only covered a few cities. Right. Well, and I, I guess how long does it take you to realize that those are going to be channels that just aren't worth as much of your time. I mean, that's a big question that comes up. It's, hey, I, we can experiment and do these things and see what you know, see what we can figure out that works. But how long do you really attack something before you figure out, hey, this is just not going to work the way that we want it to? Yeah. So the way I structured everything was that I'd have one month to try something out, and then during that month, I'd compare the returns on it to all the other things that we were doing. Right. So. You, you put out some test on paid search. You put out some tests on email. You put out some tests on, you know, trying to get Yelp to add an online ordering link, you know, uh, to Grubhub on, on their page. And, you know, after that month, you just take a step back and you look at where the returns were. You know, in, in some cases, you can directly compare, like, you know, the CPA or the ROI. But in some cases, you can just look at the traction you've had. It was very clear from doing that sort of work, that affiliate marketing was just driving a very low conversion rate because of the geographic coverage issue. This was something that worked incredibly effectively for me at HomeFinder, which had national scale, but just wasn't going to work for Grubhub until we covered more of the country. And and we had a similar issue on on the biz dev side, trying to go after those bigger partnerships. It's just hard for, you know, Yelp or City Search to care about you when you only cover, you know, a couple of the thousand different markets that they care about, it's just right. never going to be high enough ROI for them. So, you know, once you get rejected, you know, 12, 15 times <laughs> on the right. dev side, you're like, okay, I think I'm hearing a theme here. Uh, maybe I should put down the phone and, and start working on something else. Sure. Got it. No, that's, that's good. I mean, and it almost sounds like 
you know, when you're matching them up against each other, the different experiments you're running, it's like almost like mini competitions that you're running and see, hey, let's see what actually works best and you win, we'll, we'll actually focus on you. So that makes- Absolutely. I mean, you have a limited amount of time, so you have to make very harsh prioritizations. You know, when you're bigger, you can staff teams to do all of these things well, but when you're one person, you're only going to have time to do a couple of things really well. And you typically find with startups, there's there's one or two channels that really work, right? And the rest just are, you know, it's a step function difference in how much value they can add for your business. Yeah, and maybe let's talk about Pinterest for a little bit because I was going to say when you joined that team versus from when you joined, uh, you know, at Grubhub. I imagine there were two totally different situations. Pinterest had already been experiencing pretty good growth at that stage. Is that right? Yeah. So, I mean, to give you a sense of scale, you know, during my high five and a half years at Grubhub, I helped take the company from 30,000 users to 3 million. When I joined Pinterest, they already had 40 million, month, 40 million <laughs> monthly active users, wow. right? Yeah. Uh, and, and 200 employees. So I was joining in a, in a lot later stage. Uh, Pinterest had experienced some massive viral growth in its early days via, you know, the Facebook open graph and that window had kind of closed as a growth channel. So I joined at a time where it was really looking for its second act when it came to growth and also trying to figure out how to take a 80% U.S. service and shift it to be international first. So, so definitely very different in, in a lot of ways. You're talking about a 200 person company when the majority of the employees were engineers versus Grubhub, the majority, you know, were sales or customer service. So there's there's just a lot of differences there. Yeah. So how does your approach change given the situation is it's totally different? I mean, they're both companies that are growing rapidly, but just two totally different types of companies. Yeah. So for uh, you know that role, if there being a lot more different types of people. You know, specifically engineers and designers, a big part of my job coming in and working on growth was making sure all these other people that I didn't directly manage were working on the biggest opportunities. So that required, you know, a lot more meetings, a lot more communication than I was used to coming from the, you know, the very early stage startup uh, mindset. Uh, as I got used to it, I got spoiled, right? Because <laughs> Grubhub was very short on engineers, so we had to ruthlessly prioritize what we'd build versus, you know, spend money on. And at Pinterest, we had all these amazing engineers and designers who could throw up an experiment and get statistically significant data in days because we already had, you know, tens of millions of users. Uh, yet we were still small enough where there was no, you know, red tape to getting things done in, in a big company. So it's really kind of an amazing time to join in, you know, you could move incredibly fast, um, get data incredibly quickly, yet not face a lot of the, you know, bigger company red tape that I'm sure, you know, public companies have to go through. Sure, sure. And I guess, I mean, given those changes, uh, just in the situation, the resources, how did your day-to-day change? Like when you're day-to-day and you're a one-man show, you're doing all those things that you had laid out before. Is it similar is it complete is it similar but it's just at a bigger scale or is it completely different because now there's a different team structure how did that work for you yeah so you know your the way you work shifts from execution more to management and 
you're spending a lot more of your time uh, working with different people on different sets of projects in chunked up ways. So you're going from meeting to meeting about this experiment versus that experiment and, you know, figuring out what this roadmap is going to look like instead of, you know, a big chunk of your day spent on, you know, optimizing, you know, how your paid search is working in Denver, for example. So that was the big adjustment is, you know, having a day that's filled with meetings instead of inside of Excel, right? Uh, Or inside of, you know, the AdWords tool or the exact target, whatever the case may be. But, you know, the principles definitely are the same in terms of how you grow at, uh, you know, a, a Grubhub and a Pinterest. But certain things are not going to make the cut because in order for you to make an impact on Pinterest growth, you have to shoot for much bigger numbers. So something that, you know, can add you 10,000 users might be attractive to Grubhub in the early days. That's not going to be something that moves the needle for a Pinterest, which already has, you know, 40 million at the time I joined. Right. That's right. Got it. So let me, you know, I guess from the time that you started to the time where, you know, you wrapped up at Pinterest, what were, what were some of those life cycles that you went through in terms of figuring out, Hey, what works well? I mean, you'd mentioned kind of searching for that second act. Do you feel like Pinterest found that second act um, during that time or is it, I guess, what was that like? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, at, Pinterest, we had kind of lucked in a little bit to figuring out that SEO could be an important channel. So in the early days of Pinterest, people were curating content onto the platform on topics they cared about, like woodworking ideas or, you know, my dream wedding, whatever the case may be. And these started to rank a bit organically on Google because it was relevant stuff on a very specific topic. So we started noticing a little bit of growth there and really just tried to build a function that used SEO as an organic traffic channel, introducing people to Pinterest, and then conversion and activation around that to really get people hooked onto the actual product. So, you know, the first product that I actually PM'd at uh, Pinterest was SEO, and one of the big changes we made is, you know, people had curated these collections about things they cared about, but it was really only one person's opinion on what was important on that topic. Pinterest, through its global database of what things have been saved, knew what the really the most important things were across the platform instead of just, you know, what one person thought. So we created these new pages for SEO that were, you know, the best pins on a topic you know, across the entirety of Pinterest instead of one person's opinion. And that really became the base of a new strategy of getting content indexed by search engines when they came to Pinterest, um, letting them see a preview of that content and then asking them to sign up to see more of it. Then some of those people end up repinning that content, showing us which of the content is good. And some of those people end up adding new content into Pinterest. Both of those activities help give us better pages to show to Google. And now we have more content to show them and we have more data on what the best content is. And it creates this flywheel effect of we're constantly getting more traffic from Google because we're constantly improving the pages we show them. And that was really the second act that we had to build, you know, step by step. First, by getting some, 
indexed on Google, then by improving the conversion experience, then by improving the onboarding experience so people really got that extension to add their own content or understood that saving content that was already on Pinterest was the key action. Oh, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, and I think it's it's just really interesting getting to hear it from you, it's just about growth in particular, because it's you've had that experience from the almost the pure startup um, you know model where Grubhub was to having Grubhub grow like crazy, but then you know Pinterest it's at a whole new level yet still needing to experience more growth than it did. So, oh, I appreciate you telling that story, and I, we keep talking, but we're we're up on our time already. So I feel like that went really fast. But I guess before we wrap up, you know, knowing that there are listeners who are particularly probably at that very startup stage themselves, maybe they have fifteen employees like uh, Grubhub did at one time. Maybe it's even fewer than that. But what advice might you give to somebody that's really trying to understand you know, what it means to be a growth person? Maybe they're the founder and they have to wear that growth hat or maybe they're just stepping into a dedicated growth role for the first time. But you know, when you meet people like this and they ask for advice, what kind of advice would you offer up? Yeah, I think one of the first things is understanding what your goal is and for growth, you know, what I think about is, you know, I originally thought about it as, well, your, your job is to scale users of a product that has product market fit, right? So first understand if you have product market fit and then figure out the channels that, that help you scale that. I've now evolved that definition to say that a growth team's job is to connect as many people as possible to the current value of a product. So that means as a growth person, you need to understand better than anyone what is the value of the product and what is the friction that prevents people from getting there? And it's your job to remove that friction. It might be they never got to your app or to your website, in which case you need to get more traffic. It might be that the onboarding is too complicated or non-existent. But really understanding that is, is important. I'd say jumping in kind of day one into that role, the first step is always to understand kind of what's going on. Uh, and, and you need to organize data to do that, to help you understand what's going on and where the opportunities might be. A mistake I see a lot of people make though is they try to spend like a long time trying to get the data situation really great and they're not doing anything to help the company grow during that time period. And if you're in a startup, you need to find ways to put points on the board early while you're getting the right setup you know, for the long-term structure you want so that you can build the trust within the rest of the organization. What I recommend to those people is try to constrain it to one area and really making that an easy area to make progress on. Like conversion is an area that, you know, has quick iteration cycles or emails and notification is an area that, you know, you generally don't get a lot of pushback on and really build up some trust in the organization quickly with an area like that before you try to, you know, kind of take over everything and look at all of these different things because, you know, you can be six months in and, and not have made any progress. And then people are like, so that growth team is not really helping us grow, is it? <laughs> right. Why are, so, why are we doing it then? It sounds like you have to aim for some easy wins while you're still, you know, preparing at the same time. It's not one or the other, but can't forget about those easy wins too. Exactly. Yeah, that's, oh, that's, that's really good advice because I could see how it would be easy to sort of get swallowed up into just trying to be overly prepared. Um, but yeah, start a lot of startups don't really have time 
for just the preparation. So I, that's that's exactly. awesome advice. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Casey. If people wanted to sort of keep tabs with what you're doing, is there a way for them to do that? Is there a way to get a hold of you, um, whether it's you know Twitter or anything else? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I blog at Casey Accidental. You can usually see what I'm thinking about there. And uh, yeah, I tweet regularly at One Caseman. So feel free to follow me there or shoot me a tweet. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for the time. And uh, yeah, really appreciate you joining us for the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. A big thanks to our sponsor today, Prezi Business. Prezi Business makes your presentations better, more engaging, interactive, and they have a platform that features built-in analytics, cloud-based collaboration tools, and the unique ability to adapt to the flow of the conversation, which is so important, whether you're doing sales or a investor presentation. So go to prezi.com forward slash rocket ship and get your presentation prezified today. If you haven't yet subscribed to the show, if you made it this far, I know you're finding value. So hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review on iTunes so we can reach more people. It's so important. So I, I appreciate that in advance. Follow us on Twitter at RocketshipFM so you don't miss the new episodes as they come out. You can follow me at Michael Saka, Mike Belsito at Belsito, and Joel at Joel Goldman. 